Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian here with Luke, Paul, and producer Dave. And today we're going to be covering Netflix's The Sandman. Today's going to be episodes seven and eight entitled The Doll's House and Playing House, respectively. And the big story here is the vortex. What is it? And Corinthian? Comma the confirmed. Thank you for pointing that out. Confirmed. Let's clear the air right there. But before we get into this, I do once again want to shout out the official Reddit community of the Sandman. It is our Sandman. Good dialogue there. Um, and they are friends of the pod for sure. So what do you think, guys? Episode seven and eight. Pretty good. Well, first, can we just shout out to the fact that this is our first recording all together for the Sandman pod? So I'm hype about that. But hi, guys. Hi. Hello, hey yeah. PD. I can. I usually look at Luke anyway, but now yeah, I can we, actually look at Pete Thomas and Paul. But talking about the episodes themselves, we—I don't know about you guys, but just how we were talking about the ratings on our last pod, these were always supposed to be the two lowest-rated episodes, and it was a huge drop-off from the highest-rated episodes. So my expectations were a little bit lower, but I would have—I walked away totally enjoying these episodes. They were way different, not as good, but definitely still really good. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Episode six will still hold the reins of being the best episode for me. Seven and eight were very enjoyable. They probably fall back in that category of like episodes one and two, still very enjoyable to watch. Mm -hmm. Just a lot of just a lot more unanswered questions still that we're getting, especially with the vortex, like what she's actually capable of. To me, it seems like her powers are almost like identical to dreams. That but that's just me. Overall, though, still very much love these episodes. The show just continues to have me just kind of sucked in watching every moment like we got to the end of episode eight and i almost just got right into nine but then i forgot about the podcast so i had to pause that so they were good yeah i don't know if it was because i knew these two episodes were the quote-unquote lowest rated in the series going in but i thought they were definitely better than what i was expecting i thought they were again we say it every time but i'm saying it again the world building fucking wb is fucking out of this world it, it's uh it's great i love it we got what dave was saying we got a bunch more questions but at the same time we got a few answers to some things the first one that comes to mind is literally just dream talking about you know the limits of him intervening with humanity or not so that's for endless all the endless too yes exactly so i love that shit like inject that into my veins like if there's a rule book <laughs> oh my god i would be the happiest guy ever so uh, it's just so good, and I'm so excited for how they just teed this up for the for the last two episodes here. Mm -hmm. Also, I just want to say the news broke this morning. As of when we're recording this, the news broke this morning that Netflix actually dropped bonus content, two two more uh, episodes for the Sandman, and we couldn't be more hype and frustrated that we can't watch it at the same time. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's good for you guys listening because then you get at least one more episode from us mm -hmm. of recording and talking of the Sandman. So I'm looking forward to those episodes. I don't know. And I haven't heard anything about them. Like, I don't know if they're directly related to the story, or if they're supposed to be side stories. I'm trying to block it on a, yeah. all the social and media. You know, what's funny, too, is I saw on Twitter is Neil Gaiman, who's the writer of the original Sandman comics, tweeted something last night saying, oh, something. It was something along the lines of, oh, the worst part about 
Netflix's season one salmon is there's only 10 episodes. Oh, and oh then my that God. dropped this morning and it was what just is, like everybody was like, all right. Uh, I did nice. I did say I get well, I got one spoiler. I'm not gonna say, but it is an appearance from an actor in one of the new episodes that just dropped, and I couldn't be more excited to see how he gets involved in oh, this world. You said he, I thought it was gonna be Joanna. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> I wanted more Joanna. That was a spoiler. <laughs> my bad. I guess i'll comment seven eight yeah i don't i agree with you guys i don't know how these are perceived as the lowest i guess some episodes have to be the lowest in any season of course but i was pretty interested in what rose has going on them establishing the vortex and i thought it was a great episode eight for the corinthian like they really just showed how just terrifying he is so Mm -hmm. i i was really into these episodes were these was were these the darkest episodes you would say we've gotten so far i think darkest? the whole i, I feel know, like the whole man. jet story was out. like really fucked up more than yeah. a diner i was gonna say the okay. end of episode five in the diner scene. but we have been getting a lot darker than i will say it's been things have been steadily just getting more and more evil especially with the introduction of the one sibling who was like cutting her face uh despair yeah, yeah. it was so creepy we'll get there when we get there I'm, which I'm is right now yeah let's start and let's just start breaking down the doll's house um this one works out pretty cleanly in four main buckets of character grouping so let's just go right into desire's bucket because we're back in desire's gallery and as dave's saying we meet despair and wow despair is not what i expected at all I guess I guess she's into just self-harm and that's part of it, which makes total sense. But the thing that really caught my ear is that despair and desire, the twins who have been referenced constantly, share a realm. That's both of theirs. We literally commented. Somebody said it. I think it was UB Thomas last episode said, do you think, you know, Destiny and Despair share a realm? We all nah. said we hope not. And so. I was like, nah, yeah. dude, they wouldn't do that. They're they going to have their own. own realms. And we were yeah. totally wrong. Also, that. that was another thing we were wrong on. I said destiny and desire would be twins. It's despair and desire. Mm. And I'm not sure if you guys. I might have got that wrong, too. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so destiny is the only confirmed sibling that we have no sight of yet. Correct. We've seen desire, despair, death, dream yeah. and dream. And then we haven't seen destiny yet. Okay. But yeah, this is just a free free for all because this is a the the opening scene to episode seven. Anything else you guys want to bring up about this? The only thing I'll say is that ha- that was definitely. Are we all on the hundred percent page that we think that that was the same person uh, Desire was talking to at the end of episode six? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Just wasn't sure if maybe we would have some discussion on potentially alternatives. But, yeah, alternatives. Well, it's confirmed not the prodigal. Oh, that's yeah, what I was I go. was going to bring up. That was the biggest takeaway I got yep. from that conversation was despair going the prodigal and the desire being like no dude he's still missing he too yes yeah so prodigal is a guy so theorizing in the future just be on the lookout question any any guys you're seeing yeah also uh desire is like trophy room if you want to call that like what they were saying it almost seems like he had like trophies hanging up in those little the gallery yes someone else's helm definitely it was that's what yeah that's what i took it as was definitely someone else's mask super cool and it go i mean it goes along with desire mm. like right this scene continued the trend of seeing uh desire in every single of the last four episodes i think usually we get the ending scene being desires queuing us up like as the main bad as the main bad character for the series uh and i think that's still where we're going 
but we get some insight into into Desire's plans here. And we pretty much guessed all of this. It wasn't that unguessable about how Desire set up Burgess and he was a distraction. And that was all connected with, with getting Dream there. Still no confirmation on my theory about the Corinthian being involved in Desire's plans. But uh, that was awesome. And then we also get some insight into Desire's kind of intentions and, and goals of why they're doing what they're doing, right? Like they're saying that Dream... What what was he what was desire getting at right that dreams and like dream thinks he's better than that than- dreams are manifestations of desire and despair which is kind of true dreams yeah. are just what you desire in the waking world and nightmares are what bring you despair so that logic tracks what yeah. he's yeah. acting on is and, not appropriate and desire was saying like he keeps saying that he thinks his realm is better than yes. our realm yeah. And like, who did, who is he to say that? So definitely seems a little bit uh, bitter about. And that kind of tracks with Death's conversation she has with um, Dream in the last episode about, oh, we didn't have her. Yeah. Desire didn't have her, the sparring partner at the family dinner. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. So Desire seems to be very jealous of Dream. And I don't even know if Dream cares. I think this could just be a complete just like like overthinking on Desire's part. And that and it's turning Desire into a villain. Yeah, I guess we just need to see them interact. Yeah. Any other comments? I'm good. Okay, so let's get into everything that happens in the dreaming for this whole episode, because we're going to leave Rose for next, because Rose's storyline is is pretty integral, and it's important for this and next episode. So in the second bucket, it kind of picks up with bringing Abel back into the story, which was cool. We got to see Lucien interact with Abel. We get to hear about these rumors of the dream vortex in the dreaming itself. Um, then we get, we go back to the throne room and we talk with, with dream. And this is one of the best scenes ever when they, when they talk about the three missing arcana, AKA the nightmares, I think they're all nightmares. Yeah. Um, and then major arcana, major arcana. Yeah. Sorry. And then it ends with, the scene with Lucienne Matthew and Merv the pumpkin. So those three scenes, we can just free ball talk about whatever you guys want to bring up. Sorry. Starting with Lucienne doing the census going. To yeah, Abel. that's yeah. That was the first yeah. part of this. Well, I guess this is the most logical point to bring up my theory that I texted you guys in the chat that I connected. We were questioning who Lucienne and Abel are with respect to I don't know, Gregory the Gargoyle, who was clearly a dream. They seem to be more real than dreams. And I suggested that maybe they were part of the fairy delegation that dream referenced in 1589. I like that theory a lot. It kind of explains the pointy ears that Lucienne has. Absolutely. And especially if they don't have their own world or if something happened to it, it would make sense that they're kind of scattered as they are, like these characters are, and looking for people to kind of rely on or serve kind of thing. I feel good about that for Lucienne more than I do Cain and Abel. I'm not exactly sure what their deal is, but they could be. Do you guys think when Lucienne was taking the census and Abel was talking about all the living things there and he was saying like unspeakable horrible things in the basement, is that going to come into play or is that just more craziness because i would love for i feel like they're establishing the house of mysteries and secrets so much that we're going to go inside them at some point i mean this is like the second like big reference where it was like a few lines of dialogue or dedicated to the two separate ones so i like Mm -hmm. i don't know if like 
he's gonna like dreams gonna tr- trap corinthian in in the basement of the house of mysteries or something like that like with the unspeakable horrors and like that's the way he deals with him or whatever it's definitely coming back there's no way that they've referenced the house of mysteries and secrets this many times for them not to it's like a show where they just like planting seeds to harvest whenever the fuck they feel like it so, so many seeds, yeah so man. i'm glad that they're giving themselves the freedom and giving us the opportunity yeah. to dream and theorize I did not think we were going to have five points on that one scene of Lucienne taking the senses. Uh, But the coolest scene that I think you described is when she is listing the three major arcana, watching the stained glass mirrors like rearranged to, and the three that she lists are Galt, who is a shapeshifter who has questionable morals, Mm -hmm. as Lucienne says, and I trust her judgment. The Corinthian. The Corinthian. Trust me, bro. All caps in my notes. The Corinthian. (laughs) And dream immediately is just like, well, no surprise there. And the other one was the green tree, the fiddler's green, the fiddler's green. And both of them said that was a little bit curious that he would have left because it seems like he was sovereign over his own land. He was like, a, it was yeah, a the- fancy word, Vavasaur, I believe, which is a vassal underneath a yep. higher vassal. So... <laughs> And those are the three major arcana that are missing, which and, I guess is noteworthy even for the endless that they're gone. And and his image uh, on the stained glass windows, it just seemed to be almost a forest. It wasn't like a being and almost mm-hmm. seems to be like a, a, a whole entity is like That's the vibe I that I got. I didn't from think. It. Yeah, I didn't think it was, I when you kept saying referring to Fiddler's Green as a person, I, I took it as a like a place mm-hmm. like this was a. Like kind so, of like a dreaming place in the real world. Like the way that thing. actually just clicked right now that that potentially could be what's going on with Hector and Lyda. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like yes, that because the background, yes. yeah, the whole background is that. Oh, good. Theory. Okay. Okay. I like yeah, that. that could I, totally be it. And I, I thought of it first. Yeah, <laughs> I clarified. It. I hope that's what it is, and that makes even more sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did Good he stuff. specify that the the major arcana are all nightmares, or is he kind of hint, or was it kind of implied that the, at that Fiddler's Green was? There, a I dream. think he said all nightmares. I think that was the result of the census saying they're not here anymore. They does. I don't think Lucian specified that they were nightmares i guess that's true yeah, i know just, there are I three entities Paul. of the dreaming that are missing from the realm two of them which would mean which would make more sense why he was so shocked and like actually like yeah yeah but wait did we say the number blown away by me too it was I only eleven thousand and sixty two people were there and then we find out at the very end of episode eight that pretty much everyone is back i mean yeah i don't know if that is everyone or there's a bunch more that came back but Either way, I was expecting Lucien to be like, all right, here's the census. It's five. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's oh, literally that no, people weren't coming back. Yeah, I thought it was yeah, literally going to be like Cain, Abel and Goldie. You're saying that's an underwhelming number for the entirety of dream. Yes. yes. I don't know how to gauge it. Clearly, anybody who is a citizen of the dreaming is kind of special and magical. So mm-hmm. I'm sure those people are relatively uncommon. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. And mm-hmm. also that um, just reminded me too, Paul, that that kind of hints at the time passage between episodes that we don't see, which really goes back to the end of episode five when John in the diner affects the world. Then right in episode six, everything's good outside. Like time passes. So I think like you're surprised that you thought it was going to be five, like super low number. 
but I think a lot of time has been going on subtly and it's mm-hmm. not really obvious. So that's why there's been enough time for everybody to come back to the dream. I also like, noticed that too, with his throne room too, that it wasn't completely destroyed anymore. Like everything was, was looked like it had been reconstructed. Mm-hmm. So I kind of took that. Yeah. That time had passed. He time was is able totally to, passed. Yeah. Here. Recreate. But the one thing I will say though, is he brings, they bring up the three, um, what did we call them? Not Arcana. Clanies, Arcana. Yeah. Major yeah. Arcana. The, the major Arcana. And Dream obviously sees them all as threats, but he does find out about the Vortex, and he thinks that the Vortex will be a way for him to deal with the three major arcana. He brings up the fact, like Lucien's freaking out about the fact that the Vortex could cause a lot of issues for him, but he's actually viewing it on the positive side, saying she could actually be the one to help Mm -hmm. deal with these three. And I'll be interested to see going forward how much uh, the Vortex develops into a magical character, because if she, if she's going to be a part of taking those three things down, I imagine that she would have to be pretty strong, and she's still early on in learning her powers. So I'm just interested to see her character growth over the next couple episodes. I mean, to even add to that random theory I just thought of about Fiddler's Green, like all of the Arcana are being gradually pulled into yeah, Rose, meaning like through Lyda, and then also through Jed. And then also Corinthian directly through her. So that kind of tracks. You're making yeah. so much goddamn sense. Dude, like I hope I'm right, yeah. man. They now that would be she's gonna pull everyone into yeah. her. And Desire said that too, because she has pulled Dream in as well. Yep. Yeah. So he is pulled into the vortex. Yeah. All of the endless seem to put respect on the concept of a vortex. Mm-hmm. Uber and powerful, it seems. What's even more What's even crazier is what Alki just blew our minds with upstairs. Well, at least mine. I'm jumping ahead here, but the diner scene. So so in the diner, we met all these characters that we thought were going to be nothing. Then we see Judy's picture in Rose's apartment. Right. Right. When do you remember when the Corinthian shows up to bang the house sitter? Yes. To get the information. He, he looks at the picture of Judy, who's at this point dead because John killed her. But. She so Rose made an appearance in the diner scene. It's when Judy's like sitting outside the bathroom. She FaceTimes her friend asking if she's seen Donna. Totally, and it yeah, was it was totally Rose. Rose yeah. So that even that even kind of like makes sense of how John and Judy like came together because it could be the vortex pulling everybody yeah. around. Yeah, right. So like yeah, it's nothing, nothing needs to be a coincidence anymore because of the vortex. That's so crazy. Was anybody first of all 100 percent agree? Uh, was anybody bothered by Lucian's lack of faith of, of dream not knowing what's going on when she grows up and it was like, oh, by the way, there's there's rumors of a vortex and dream is like, yeah, I know I'm on it. Like, I've been on it. Like, that was kind of pissing me off. Like, I, Lucian, he is dream of the endless like he's king of dreams and nightmares like you don't think he knows that there's a vortex coming around and yeah, i just thought she was she's just uptight a little bit i thought she was approaching the topic delicately just oh by the way on the set or he might have just been saying that the citizens are starting to like and she well That's she her said job, to keep she, an ear to the ground she said I feel there's, like a, his- there's a vortex you might want to look into it and he's like dude i have looked into it I don't know. This I basically where, she wasn't putting says, respect on on his name. I really like Lucien, so I don't think she meant him any disrespect yeah. or thought that he wouldn't. We're gonna have an interesting conversation later, I think. <laughs> but but this is where he says that thing that the rule he established the rule. He says the endless are forbidden against taking any action against a mortal that is not an active threat. And then Love she it. says that whole thing about yeah, like what if she becomes active? I agree. I think she's not she's not handling the transition of power back to dream as well as I 
would have thought because I agree. I think the endless are so far above any of these beings in the dreaming that I would just, whatever you want to do dream, I'm in. I feel like you're, you're the guy, you know, so I'm more like what you're saying, Paul. Like, I think she should have more faith in him, but at the same time, she was in charge for a hundred plus years by herself. So both sides have it. Yeah. But you know, (laughs) <laughs> I have not gotten the impression at all that she's struggling with the handoff power. Maybe that's just me. I have only I gotten loyal either. sub or loyal like right hand man. And so let's let's go into this next scene in this the last scene of this bucket, which is after we find out about the dream vortex, we have Lucien and Matthew plant because it's it's decided that Matthew's going to go to Earth realm and follow around the vortex, right, and be the eyes for the Sandman. So when they have this conversation in the next scene after Matthew, I think Matthew. Re- this is before Matthew goes to Earth and the pumpkin Merv shows up yep. in the library. Yeah, yeah, in the library. This is the part where I it didn't sit that well with me, where Merv says that everyone knows that Lucien's the real one, the the real person in charge here. Um, and then if you get any information, Matthew, you should tell her before so, Dream. I didn't like that. I think you guys are putting too much on Dream because he like tasked her with the census. So clearly there's stuff that goes on in the dreaming that he is not. Like, otherwise, why the fuck would he have her running around getting 11,000 people's name and story down? Like, so clearly he can't just snap his fingers and know anything. So she serves a purpose and is seems to be loyal to him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I that's not what we're not. We're, I totally agree. She, she defends him all the time, backs him up mm-hmm. all the time. She's like the one that stayed when everybody else left. Don't don't get me wrong. I definitely think she's most loyal. I just don't think it almost seems like she believes that dream is rusty. Like she, okay. she's not completely. Yes, that's she, a great way to say. Gotcha. She believes she's not completely up to the task of ruling, and because he's been away for and trapped for so long, and he's like, "Relax, I got this." That's exactly how I how I view it. Um, I would add to that that he kind of is rusty. Yeah. Also, but at the uh, same so yeah, time, which brings us back. I think she was just approaching the topic yeah, just I, delicately. I think Merv brought up an interesting perspective that a lot of the people or beings came back for Lucien or I mean, sure. They came back for dream. I'm sure they were either scared or like happy to have him back. But Lucien at the end of the day was the one who was around for a hundred years, keeping things together. So I like the perspective that a lot of the dreams of the dreaming have more respect for Lucien than they do for dream. I like that perspective, honestly, personally. Merv was crazy, man. I did not see that coming at all. The CGI fucking pumpkin scarecrow thing just walks onto the into the library. That came out of left field, but it was awesome because it just shows you how crazy the dreaming is. Yeah, definitely. And he was like a knowledgeable person too. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he comes back. <laughs> he seems think- like he's huge just, in the material, like the source material. Just keep an eye out for anything strange, said the talking pumpkin to the talking <laughs> raven. Like, okay. <laughs> that was awesome. I got I gotcha. Um, so I think we can move to the next bucket, which is going to be all of Rose's stuff. But this kind of keeps them to get we're going to pick back up with what Matthew does directly after this. But the transition of Matthew going to Earthrealm from that scene with Merv was pretty cool, right? Like going yeah, through the painting off like, yeah, it showed us the, realm jumping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you could be reincarnated as anything across the spectrum from a dung beetle to a god, like Raven's definitely dream hopping Raven, who is like dreams right hand man is is pretty top tier especially for someone who is painted as a bad human in his life Mm -hmm. i'd want to be reincarnated as the worm in dune (laughs) yeah the giant worm yeah Yeah, it just eats everything cinema sin still never seen it whoa really ah we should watch it it. (laughs) 
Yeah, is that our plan after this podcast? Oh, uh, I haven't seen Interstellar. Either. Oh my god, I haven't, oh seen, I haven't seen it either. What? Slap the shit out of both dude. Of what the? There's always two. Paul, what you? have you not seen that we can watch together? Have um, you ever seen Godfather? I've never seen, and Emily actually yells at me all the time. I've never seen Remember the Titans. Wow. Okay, that's, that's a, a great one. one. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. I don't know how you avoided that. that. I feel like we watched that in elementary school. We, yeah, so we, like that was a public viewing. Strong side. Come on. We you watched it in the cinema it, class. You're embarrassed. I don't know. We watched what? it in our cinema class. Did we do Remember the Titans? I think so. Or it was around that time in one of the classes. It was a great class. Whatever. We're getting so, off track. Yeah. Side top track. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Rose because. If you didn't know, like I said earlier, she was already introduced back in the diner episode and indirectly her ancestor, which was the craziest connection back to early Sandman episodes, was introduced in episode one. Um, So what we're going to cover now is Rose's introduction and then the seven year time skip when she split with her brother all the way up until she meets Unity. Unity Kincaid is her name. And this is the girl that fell asleep in episode one like i, I never that. ever would have thought we were going to see this girl again love no. i specifically remember seeing the dad in episode one going unity like wake up yeah yeah and just thinking wow like what an unfortunate girl but like she, we'll never see her again yeah and then it turns out she's the sole survivor like that is insane yeah um not really a lot we need to get into with the background of jed and and rose and how their parents relationship like caused us to be where we are seven years later they divorced now. the father demanded mm-hmm. the son the mom took the daughter they were separated yep. forever we knows wrote we and we know also rose is 21 year old you know doesn't have a job so that just kind of makes it a little bit more difficult to go out and find her brother because she doesn't have the money to be able to look for him. Right. And then we just skip ahead to this fake interview about our family history that Unity set up to meet her in Sussex. So Caretaker Lida, who is a character. She's <laughs> fucking beautiful. Yes, but she could be the queen of a land called plot lines I could care less about. <laughs> her love story with her husband just like i don't want to watch you fall in love with and like i guess it made more sense because they're driving home like that they can get pregnant but like what is this like a it's 90s green i know but like they <laughs> took so much time establishing the love and i'm just like i don't think anybody would just be able to get pregnant I, i'm with you i agree i don't I, I, I wasn't crazy about her character plot line but i don't think anyone would be able to just go out and have a dream of being pregnant and then have it happen this is too intense for it to just be anybody yeah i like think something it's called, is maybe because it's she's very close to the vortex yeah that it happened that's totally, yep, what, it that's totally what it is yeah yeah or she has a special part but i'm with you b tom's like when we're on the plane and she looks over and she's talking to this guy, it's like, okay, whatever. And then we have the dreams of them constantly, like having a life together in dreams. It's like, yeah, I get what you're doing, but I'm not crazy. either. I'm worried that they're spending so much time establishing the love story between them because at the end, it's like only people who really love each other that (laughs) passionately can possibly do this, which I have too much respect for the show to think will happen i think that she's probably a a big character in the comics because of the anytime you get a full name like that and they focus on you so much i'm assuming that she has a really like important source material character that's the only thing i get at and plus i do think it's going to be building towards something which is the character and the fiddler's green makes me like it a lot more so we might look back and it'll be okay 
just too much love story when I wanted other stuff on the screen. I'm with yeah. you. I agree with that. Comments are moving on. If Kathleen was here, she would have been like, dude, this is the best. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> she would have wanted more. Um, okay, so some other things that happen in this journey where she's meeting her great grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we get another unexpected the fates scene, right? Like the third time that the three in one or whatever they call them in this universe come back and they they warn her about the Corinthian, Jed, and Morpheus, all this stuff. Um, so we can talk about a little bit of piece of that, and then we get the um unity giving rose the gold annulet and then last it's just the rest of it is her going to the airbnb and meeting all these new characters so this is everything else that happens with rose in episode seven the subtitles gave us a cool little tidbit here um so the the fates are split up into what seems to be the maiden the mother and the crone i believe is is the third one so the maiden being the youngest looking the mother, mother the second youngest obviously middle-aged middle. yeah and then the crone you know he's the, the old, old crone mm-hmm. um so that was really cool that we got some specification there um and yeah they're just kind of inserting their shells everywhere i guess they it was just a crossroads like, yeah. why they showed up okay they're cool and they gotta be they're they're just getting dropped in here and there because i feel like they gotta be huge to the plot line like coming up either this season or next they were so judgmental of the questions she asked yeah just like if you asked the right ones we could have warned you about the corinthian yeah i just love that they're just an entity that can basically do whatever they want yeah and they also of course they mentioned you know we've come here to caution you and protect you and she's like protect me from what and they say protect you from dreams and houses which i thought was really weird do like that didn't come in in either of these episodes well yeah because i mean name of the episode and then also there's that whole dollhouse thing which i don't i'm not understanding i mean just specifically tied for her though dollhouse was kind of a representation of unity's story she was gifted it for her 12th birthday and rose comments how it's in pristine condition and she said well i only got to play with it once because then i fell asleep forever but Mm -hmm. the dollhouse survived in pristine condition so what she said was she fell asleep and she had a whole life in her head, kind of like Rick and Morty episode, right? That video game where they like live a whole freaking life. Yeah. It's what it's what Lina and her husband are trying to do right now, just in dreams. Yes, yeah, she yes. she had a life. Yes, it was the, the endless sleep, but she's the only one. She's the sole survivor of the what's it called? The sleepy sickness. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yes. So that was just to me. That was such a good like connect moment to back to episode one. I just unity whatever she mm-hmm. might be she might have dropped the fucking ball with telling corinthian where her grand great granddaughter was but still a cool character to bring back in to connect us back to to you know the burgess time period gold annulet anybody what the fuck yeah i'm not i have no takes on that <laughs> i don't i don't know anything like is it is it it's do we think it could be like a vestment of someone's it ain't nothing yeah it ain't nothing that's, that's all sure. i know <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fates or the no, what, what was it? The fates are a dream that she saw Annulet before. She said she had a dream about it. Okay, the, I think it was on the plane or something. I don't know, but okay, we and have the, no guesses for that yet. That's yeah, fine. I mean, even dream so. references the gold amulet with his conversations with Lucian at the beginning when they're talking about the. I keep thinking three calamities, but the major. That's what it was. Yeah. Dream said the annulet. Yeah, he mentions the annulet, so it mm-hmm. still goes over my head. I don't even want to begin to guess where that's going to go. 
So let's move to the Airbnb, right? That's the next, that's the only other thing that happens in the episode. Yeah. And t- uh, this is just what a fucking cast of characters. The diner, like the short diner scene. That's not in this bucket. Oh, uh, I thought you meant like we're done with the episode. No, like we no, weren't no. gonna bring that up. Okay. But yeah. this is just the craziest cast of characters. We got Hal Carter, who's the Airbnb owner. He is just the He's just the the Broadway performer, eccentric leader of this group. We got mm-hmm. Ken and Barbie. <laughs> we got Sha- uh, Chantel and Zelda, I think. Yep. And then Gilbert, who we don't meet at this time, lives in the attic. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, Matthew's kind of hovering around. He sees what's going on. He he knows. Um, but yeah, what, what any comments here? I thought Hal was a really funny character. Just another small comedic relief character who could also provide a little bit of seriousness i guess or you know um advice to rose in her time of needing someone so i thought he was a really good character it was just a it was an oddball house like he had described it i mean you got the two sisters slash friends who slash girlfriend slash whatever they are the mystery makes it fun that remind me of the terlisi twins or whatever from high school yeah (laughs) but yes but yes you're absolutely inseparable i just like he said it was just an oddball crew of uh people and honestly if i had walked in that house i would have been like i did not sign up to be a part of this we're all nice enough <laughs> they were nice when though, you talk to them, though, yeah. i'd be like oh that's yeah. not so bad yeah there all it was was i don't know why like how this got so much screen time i guess these characters may come back into play more besides these two episodes maybe not but it ends up with the whole house wanting to go out to Hal's performance and at the performance the performance itself is just like a couple minutes, whatever on screen just mm-hmm. kind of highlights what kind of character Hal is. But the more important part here was that um, Rose takes a call and goes out into the alley and we find out two things. One, she can kick some ass. She can fight. Yeah. Like she, she can handle these, these people that are trying to mug her. And then two, we get to meet Gilbert who is a freaking cool ass old dude who has a sword cane. Like, he fuck yeah. Cool. But I've got my eyes on him. Totally. A little suspicious. Totally. A little suspicious. Only other person with a sword cane I know by name. Would you Lucius uh, Malfoy? I was literally <laughs> gonna say Lucius Malfoy. So you already know I'm a little sus <laughs> of Gilbert. Is there uh, any chance that Gilbert is the prodigal? Oh my god, <laughs> put it on the board right now. I don't even <laughs> yeah, I don't need any let's, more discussion. Let's put just it on the put board. it on. <laughs> That's already perfect because he was he was just a, like a little mysterious. I wouldn't necessarily say I was getting good or bad vibes from him. He just wasn't he didn't show his true colors in my mind. He was just overly nice in a situation that I think he needed to be. But I wanted to I would have liked to see if Gilbert could have done some damage there, you know, see some see an old I man in action. Like he was ready. Yeah, he was ready to go, I think. Uh, I don't know if you heard that, but Gilbert could be the prodigal on the board. Whoa, I like that. Because <laughs> did you were you getting weird vibes from him too? Like, yes, he was a good guy. He helped out Rose at the end of the day, but little like he came at the right time. Just a little weird, man. My off the cuff theories today—they're they're good. Yeah, I want what you're having. Today. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's free. It's upstairs. Yeah, the whiskey. The whiskey's <laughs> got it going. Okay, so let's get to our last bucket here before we cover the final scene of the episode, and then this is going to be the one that. I don't think any of us could have predicted. This is the bucket of Huntsville, Alabama, and it's going to be the fan club of the Corinthian. Also, the serial killer, like just like admirers. I don't really know how to describe these guys, but this came out of nowhere for me. And it's just crazy because they love what's they're just a, they're three random, terrible people that are clearly serial killers. One, I think, is like a 
like a child killer, the guy, right? right? And then the girl who seems like she's like the most calculated. And then there's like the bumbling old guy who's trying to lead this conversation about them planning the uh, planning to find a guest of honor for their collectors meeting, which I'm guessing is just like a collection of people that murder people and take trophies. My big question is, are these real serial killers or are they nightmares that are following Corinthian? Oh, they're people because of the way that they react to Corinthian being 130 years old. They're like, you're you're the one that has the mantle right now. They don't believe that he could have been yes. that old. Okay. Wow. They're real people. I didn't even look at them as real people. And they think he's a real person. Yes. They don't think yeah. he's the OG Corinthian right. from 100 years ago. Because I say like, oh, like you heard he passed off the title, like the new Corinthian or whatever. Mm-hmm. This was pretty wild. I wasn't expecting this and how they go about luring him in, I guess, was predictable when you have three serial killers that just go to copy him. Mm-hmm. And do they succeed in this episode? Does he show up to the diner? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so the, the yeah. connecting scene that happens to get him to go to the diner or when he realizes it is that scene that I was mentioning earlier where he goes to Rose's apartment and sees Judy's picture after he bangs the housekeeper. Which the friend, yeah. I would have put my life on the line that he was going to kill the dude after. Same. Oh, I would have. In the moment, I was totally thinking, "All right, this guy's dead." I would have put. Is. I would have put my bank account yes. down that he was going to die. So I guess the Corinthian himself is a serial killer. Like that is the nightmare. He's just a serial killer with mouths for eyes because he let Unity live too. I was a little like, "Oh, what's he going to do with Unity?" Mm-hmm. But he was just going for information. He was like super charming, which is what they say serial killers do. I don't know if any of you guys have seen Mind Hunter. Oh, oh love it. Rest in peace. I know you've all seen mine, Hunter. <laughs> I wasn't really asking, but they say serial killers are really good at blending it. Mm-hmm. And he, everybody says he's super charming. Like he completely schmoozed uh, Hal, the landlord. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was um, definitely expecting him to kill, uh, you know, the house sitter when the house sitter went back for seconds. Yeah. He was like, you sure don't have time? Mm-hmm. I thought he was reaching in his shirt pocket to get the blades out. Dude, he even said, can we do it without your glasses this time? I was and like, this gr- guy is dead. Yeah, he grabbed his hands quickly. Um, I do want to say the theory is still alive at this moment where, you know, Corinthian needs to be invited in. Like, he can't just barge in. You, need, you know, he knocked on the door yep, and the true. guy did that. There is a scene coming up in episode eight where, you know, I'll talk about it. It is questionable. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, the theory's still alive. Yeah. So taking us back to this diner, though, like it wasn't a lot of screen time, but at the same time, I was super invested by the second time we come around because now you understand what's going on. Yeah. Like they're trying to recruit Corinthian to come, the Corinthian to come be their guest of honor. And we didn't get anything in episode eight. So I don't, how's that going to? play into it but I, I think it's just building up a faction like there are a faction of people out there that are willing to follow the corinthian nah. like he, it's not going to be just him so we do see that corinthian is indeed on board to be the guest of honor but he wants to bring the vortex and she has a dream jumping ability for people in close proximity and he said i know how to take all of our cute they're talking about their dreams all of our cumulative dreams to the next level oh my god so her she's going to be jumping through all of these serial killer's dreams which is going to be the most horrifying shit i've ever seen in my life what if it's the opposite where where corinthian wants her to help all of these random serial killers bring things from the dreaming to earth 
Correct. Like, yeah, either oh, saying, or. Yeah, but either that's going to involve her traversing their dreams, I think. It's like and the, uh, us having to see them. It's like what Stan in South Park, the, the forest critters, what are they called? The Christmas critters? Uh, yep. yeah. It's going to be that. They're all going to just have these psychopathic dreams and Corinthians going to be like, all right, let's make that shit real and just bring it Yeah, them that's what I'm yeah. envisioning. And I do, now that I'm talking about it, I did look at the name of the next episode, episode nine, and it was, I can't remember it, but it was something to do with the collectors. I think it was called the collector. Yeah, so it's going to be total, and that makes sense because where we leave episode eight is them on their like they're together, or no? He has Jed, who I'm sure he's going to use to lure out Rose, and then that's what's going to happen. Was this the same diner that was episode five? Was it just a coincidence that it was also called Mike's Diner? Okay, maybe it was the same. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I I I was just wondering because I didn't. I the layout of the diner that there the collectors are in was very similar to the one. The even in the background it says Mike's Diner, and I was like, wasn't Hmm. Mike the guy too? That was man. Yeah, I mean, it could make sense too because remember how you were saying last podcast episode that Bet had the Southern draw, and this is Alabama. Well, also it's the same. I ninety five. Boom. Yeah, I mean, maybe. (laughs) Yep. Why would you, I would not go back to a diner that? Well, I guess they don't. No one knows. The whole that world that would have been massacred. And if you were like, a serial killer, you would. Oh yeah, if That's you true. would want to return to the scene <laughs> of the crime, <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. We it, they guys. probably were like, "Oh, this diner is full of death. Like new meeting spot. Let's go." So it's possible. All right, so let's take her home with the last five minutes of this episode, and we're back in the dreaming. And this is Lucien. We kind of talked a little bit about it already, but this is Lucien reporting to dream. Um, they talk about Jed, how actually we didn't even mention this too, is the opening of this episode gives us the answer, Paul. And I think you nailed it of what the books in the Royal Library were. It's like all of people's dreams because he was reading in the opening Rose's yeah. dream journal and reading some of the things that she had in there. And then when they talk about um, Jed here, they say like, OK, he hasn't been connected to the dreaming in a long time. And everybody, every single one of the humans are because they spend a third of their life here. Like this is a huge part of their existence on this plane. So all of that was just, you know, just queuing us up for the next episode, but it was good information to transition us there. And we know that Galt, how do you pronounce it? Galt? Galt. Galt has the ability to sever people from the dreaming because I think Lucien asks, or maybe it's vice versa. Maybe dream was asking Lucien, but do you think she has the power to sever people from the dreaming? And I think Lucien is the one that replies, I do. Mm-hmm. So pretty strong ability straight up. If That already gets you clear off of dreams radar. So that's a pretty good power to have. I would say, yep. If dream can't locate you, then who the fuck would be able to, you know? So that was, and then Rose actually shows up because she, she jumped into the dream by accident. Yeah, yeah. Totally by accident. Quick question. Do you think if, dream put on his helm he wouldn't be able to like just search for jed maybe that was only his ruby that he could like see we don't obviously we don't know the powers and extent of uh you know his his tools and whatnot i think it might have more to do with the fact that if he wasn't connected to the dreaming he wouldn't be able to do it but if he was potentially because i think he can find anybody couldn't he find rose if he he did he finds rose so maybe you can well, technically, well, she finds him. But after that, I mean. Oh, yeah. But after that, yeah. 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 I don't know. I just take it as, you know, Galt somehow completely, whenever Jed goes to sleep, just takes over and doesn't go to the dreaming. He just goes to yeah, Galt. Like, if you don't yeah. sleep, Dream would never be able to find you. And if you're severed from the dreaming, then okay. he, same concept. To jump forward him. a little bit into episode eight, you know, 
dream is saying to Galt, like you just wanted your own realm where mm-hmm. you could give. So that totally explains it. It was almost Galt had its own realm where Jed would go when he would go to sleep instead of going to the dream. She probably could have built that up. I mean, she was so focused on Jed, but I think in my mind, she could have probably built that to be bigger. Like she could have taken another quote unquote, taken another kid brought him into this like kind of mini realm and let's kind of let's grow it from there pin in it because yeah. i totally think it's worth talking about Galt's character at the end yeah. of this uh, episode eight but i think that's all the other thing you, we get the we get the intro into what's going on with jed in real life and and barnaby and aunt clarice clarice yeah, clarice. yeah. hello so clarice. we don't talk about that yet because there's not you don't we learn it all in the next episode anyway but are we good with episode seven yeah. i think we i think we yeah. made good time on that one that was a fun one to talk about but this one is going to be a little bit more chaotic i hated this episode in the sense that it was i felt so bad for fucking jed That's oh yeah I, I, I hated it so we're not going to have traditional buckets like we've had basically for the first seven episodes of the season because of how much jumping around and what the vortex does is kind of makes this not linear um so we're kind of going to wing this and see how it goes. Hopefully it doesn't take too long. Never but works for us, but we'll see. Just to set the expectations for our first part of this conversation, we're going to go through everything up until when Rose uh, up until when Rose is going to start seeing all of the Airbnb people's dreams. So when Rose goes to sleep and meets up with dream everything before that so the first like half hour of this episode is kind of just a little chaotic and it's hard to cover and i know if you're listening like you've obviously already seen it so we're going to bring up some things here but it's going to be a little less organized than what we've kind of been going through um so with that being said paul take it away (laughs) so the end of episode seven we actually got rose going to sleep and then kind of waking up in the conversation with dream and lucien and so starting off episode eight, you know, we got titled playing house, playing house. Shit. Fuck. <laughs> episode you're, you're cut from the podcast. <laughs> I didn't have it. So we actually get dream and Lucien's initial reaction to Rose being in the dreaming in the throne room immediately. Mm-hmm. And Lucien is like. Yo, check yourself. You're in the presence of the dream, the en- dream of the endless, like in his throne room. And Dream is like, you know what? I think she could. She should stay a little bit. Lucia, Lucian is trying to get her out of there, saying like, you need to leave. And mm-hmm. and Dream is like, you know what? I'm a little interested in her. Yeah, Lucian was totally just. You could see that she was a little worried in the moment, but Dream was open arms was like come here if you want a hug i'll give you a hug you know he was willing to show her and kind of direct her on the right path at least uh, a little bit early on uh, and try and use her powers to help him out like i said in the last episode with defeating the three yeah what she what dream says to her is like you know first of all how did you find me and she goes, you were talking about my brother. Sorry. She was saying, do you know where Jed is? And Dream was saying, no, but, uh, you know, you do interest me a lot. And maybe we can find him. And to go like Dave, what you were saying, that's when they were like, all right, you know what? We're going to set a meeting when you go to bed tonight. Me and you are going to help find him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like too how Dream is kind of implying that she just kind of stumbled here and he's kind of egging her on like, you know, sure you don't know where your brother is but you didn't know where this place was and you came across it and you came across me so let's kind of use your power of being able to just kind of dream hop around 
as well as my ability to just like locate all beings and we'll kind of knock this out. So I like that he's kind of pushing her in the right direction with her powers. Mm-hmm. And we also see so so Dream says, you know, I don't know where he is, but I know who has him. And he goes to the stained glass windows and shows Galt up there. And uh Rose is like, Oh, like that's who has him. Mm-hmm. So before we talk about like that transition into into seeing Galt for the first time, the other quick thing that happens with Lucian and Dream is I think Rose leaves and they have a conversation to themselves talking about unity and how she was the sole survivor of the sleepy sicknesses, sleepy sickness, the only person to ever live from it and wake up. But we get some cool, just like high level information here. He says like dream vortexes are incomprehensible. They come around like once an era, I think he says. And then he also says vortexes are not caused. They just happen. So I don't think if it like boils down to it, like desire, I don't think desire put this part into motion. Like this must have been just like a naturally occurring phenomenon in the universe. And it's not going to be like a part of a bigger plan. Well, it almost seems like he's trying to convince himself that that is the truth because Lucienne brings up the possibility, or I think he even contemplates, hmm, so is it possible that I brought on, excuse me, that I caused the birth of this vortex by being gone for a hundred years, suggesting that... Hmm. His presence not being there, making unity go into the sleepy sickness, birth, whatever, is what caused it so that there was a traceable reason to this. Okay, you're right. That went over my head. I just watched this episode 30 minutes ago. I mean, it it seems like I mean, it still seems like I mean, there's obviously not that much information on vortexes in general. So I think even they are still kind of learning about them themselves. And so maybe in the past, they've thought of it as. They just happen. Mm-hmm. But now that they have kind of some weird coincidental events that are happening that cause this, maybe there is something that causes vortexes to appear. Yeah, sure. that's I was totally getting what, what you were saying from from dream, dream earlier, saying they're just completely random, mm-hmm. like there's no cause. So all I could think about is what would happen if dream was still imprisoned when a vortex appeared like Anybody could just hop on and dream would just like be fucked. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Then we get Galt, right? So let's do let's do all of Galt and then all of Jed stuff, and then we'll pick back with all of Rose's stuff that leads up into her dream jumping from all the Airbnb people. Because yeah, like after that throne room scene, I think that's when we see Galt for the first time, right? We transition mm-hmm. into she's, Galt she's and the we guy see- in the chair. Galt we, we is, see Galt in the in her main form. Holy fuck, man. 10 out of 10. That Galt is the coolest like concept ever. And just the CGI work that they did for, for Galt was incredible. I, I was blown away by the by how she looked. Mm-hmm. I yep. love that. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, the yeah. galaxy we were talking about earlier. Just it seems like the galaxy is like a Rocket League skin, just mm-hmm. chilling on like her torso yeah. and like chest. It really is. Yeah, it's really cool. But I was this, so pleasantly surprised by Galt's character. This especially with the ending. But. This introduction was crazy with her being the guy in the chair and Jed becoming a superhero after we had just seen him get uh, brought back to Barnaby's place, like kind of in chaos. So I'm watching this scene. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. He becomes a superhero. And then when he uses the fucking sands, I was like, what is even going on right now? Mm-hmm. Like, it was so cool watching him use it. And like, it became a t- like a cyclone around him. And then he's teleporting around. I thought it was really cool, but I was so confused at the beginning. And then it obviously clicks that once the rats come out of the sewer, 
and they're kind of attacking him that he's just in a dream because there's a rat that's actually kind of biting him in real life and that's what causes him to wake and up i think this is a perfect perfectly good time to talk about like galt as a character because we were hinting at it when we were talking about episode seven but galt is just like a nightmare confirmed but a good nightmare pretty much like the polar opposite of corinthian where she has her own goals that are not about hurting anybody, but she just wants to give humans hope rather than fear, which is very, you know, that's a very respectable goal. Like she's not a bad, she's not a bad entity. Mm -hmm. And just the way that she is trying to make her own version of the dreaming is super cool. And she, I thought she was going to be a hard villain, but she likes Jed. Like she wasn't, she wasn't giving him any fears because she wants, she has aspirations and dreams of her own to actually be someone that's good. And just this whole thing, looking back on it, after you get the end of this episode, it's just so much better. Like she is Galt's a great character. She had so much sympathy. Yeah. Which is crazy for a for a nightmare. Dream right? could she, learn from her. She <laughs> she reminds me, it sounds crazy. She's she literally reminds me of Wreck Ralph, right? Like she is a bad guy. Bad guy. Ah, but she's not a bad guy. You know? <laughs> That's a like, great comparison. Like Perfect. She, she literally was born to be a nightmare, to be a bad guy, but now that she has more understanding of who she is and her circumstances she's like i just i don't let's jump in ahead she's like i don't want to be a bad guy yeah i don't want to be the bad guy wreck mm -hmm. it ralph baby can you say like can you call that like she's to like, get in touch with your humanity would that can be considered humanity even though she's a nightmare Probably. yeah i'll allow it yeah yeah i think so thoughts on galt i really liked galt yeah it i oh, shit what was i just about to say it was something to think about the moral dilemma that dream went through and they're establishing him as someone who's a stickler for the rules and is very black and white in their interpretation. So like you guys were saying in his eyes, a nightmare is a nightmare, always going to be a nightmare and has to be a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So when he, which by the way, the CGI of him just overtaking her with the shadows was pretty cool. Oh. Oh my god. But then there's silence and he looks over at Lucienne and it's just like, you think I was too tough on her? And she's like, Well, yeah, I kind of do, honestly, because like you guys already talked about, she is a good guy, it seems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But let's go back to Jed because this is his part of the story where we just kind of get how shitty his life is in this foster care. And I feel like that was kind of predictable because when they said that. The, the foster care parents were friends of the dad who was already kind of like a jerk to mm -hmm. Rose and Rose's mom. I was like, this isn't, that's not like credibility that you were friends with the dad who wouldn't let the siblings be together. Yeah. And the and chick's Barnes, like, yeah, yeah. The, the one chick at the adoption center or whatever is like, oh, I'm sure he's, he's totally fine. fine. Yeah. It's Ms. like, Rubio. You know, yeah, it's like, who do you, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she gets her come up and <laughs> just thought that yeah, later on. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard Luke saying that this foster dad is his favorite character. <laughs> like, and like all is... of TV, not yes. just not just this show. Like this I mean, foster dad is he played yeah. a very good shitty foster dad. But yeah, oh my god, this guy is like he should be a fucking nightmare, dude. Like, I was... wouldn't be surprised if like Jed wakes up, you know, this is all a nightmare because this dude is like that evil. If we can just go into it with that, like with the note scene. Yeah, because we're gonna we're gonna kind of integrate it with how we get all it. Rose's Jed, stuff, but yeah, Jed's life is shitty. We get it, so we don't need to dissect too much. But 
when uh, the adoption lady comes over to the to Barnaby's place and everything, and Jed's kind of twirling the note in his fingers, trying to find the right time to deliver it, and he gets it in the purse. I'm sitting there like, "Fuck yeah, me too." No issues about anything. And then later on, the guy's like, "I will literally break every bone in your body <laughs> over this." No, unbelievable. And it gets cut. It it cuts to the next scene with like Dream or something or Rose maybe. And I'm like, "No fucking way. We're gonna get back to this kid. And he's gonna have every yeah, every bone in his body broken." <laughs> I was gonna freak the fuck out. But my again, the suspense from I get from this show makes me feel very uncomfortable because I just want things to just happen and be over with but the build-up for jed's story was killing me on the inside i was so worried for him and this is for eight hundred dollars a month yeah over. get a job yeah. get a <laughs> job you bum it's like what the fuck's wrong with you he's like i'm not gonna let eight hundred dollars walk away i'm like get over here and for what it's worth clarice seems Clarice's. like a somewhat moral person she she was going to help him escape from barnaby at the end of episode seven you can't blame her because obviously she is so terrified of barnaby and i mean i think any one of us would be if with that much intimidation and power so like you get stuck in that position you obviously she knows we can tell from her reactions and everything that she knows what's morally right she just doesn't have the willpower to be able to do it and that's just because barnaby has crushed both of them to the lowest level the the way the father uh barnaby literally negotiates with jed he's like the foster aging is going to come over and if you're good you can sleep in your own bed tonight and i was like jesus christ like, like if you're bad you're getting your hands like wired to the the, the pipe or something yeah it's like holy fuck dude yeah and and the reason why the foster agent went by we're going to cover rose and lita's storyline later but lita goes to the foster agent to apologize and was like hey you at least know that jet is safe and so after lee leaves the agent picks up the phone guiltily you know and calls yeah. so and, i think we get into it if you're ready yeah we can just go right yeah into it. I, I just wanted to say that the barnaby when he gets the call that the agent's coming to check up on jed he looked like he could have fucking murdered anybody in his yeah. path he was like We'll tell her no. And I was like, dude, if I was if I was Clarice right now, like I, I totally understand why he didn't say anything because he looked like he was going to murder. You. Right. He was he's a good he's a good actor, but the character itself is so shitty. Mm-hmm. Oh, the line was um, your aunt and I were very impressed with how you were handling with the lady or what was it? It was your mother. Your, very impressed. Very impressed. With how you snuck that note in her bag. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. no, please, <laughs> please, no. Um, but I don't need to talk anymore. Yeah, it was so it, fucking depressing. It's uncomfortable to talk about a lot of yeah. Jed stuff. But, you know, that gets us to the point where he's basically, you know, being threatened his life. And then we're going to pause there because the next time we're going to get into it is the Corinthian. And then Rose's escapades to try and save him mm-hmm. so let's just open the floor for anything that happens with rose up until again the point when she's going to meet dream in all the airbnb people's thing so not a lot happens but whatever you guys want to bring up with lita or yeah. rose i feel like so much screen time has happened with rose this episode but not a whole lot of, you know actually went on story-wise i mean i don't know she, she gets the flyer she's trying to put wrote like all these have you seen me you know missing call this number all these flyers out and the airbnb guests you know they all go and say hey i'm gonna help spread these flyers and even the airbnb host goes what's his name how 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 so you know 
we get them going out and spreading these flyers and we're and this is where we kind of get hal's backstory about you know broadway and i moved back here when my my grandma died that's why i did the airbnb we also get a little bit more of that love story that b tom so much loves um (laughs) we see lida and it's the only thing i guess i would say that's interesting about that dynamic is that um i forget the boyfriend's name hector hector pretty much has a life of his own in the dreaming like he says they they talk about how she disappears when she wakes up obviously and he talks about all these projects that he does when she's not there like building their dream home and you know renovating the house and everything so i just find that it's interesting that he continues to have a life like it's like she goes off to her nine to five job she comes home and then they're kind of living their life life together so i just wonder if it's the vortex is so strong that she's able to kind of do what dream does in the sense that she can create these people and have them have lives around them. Cause I don't know if everyone in the world is dreaming about the same person every night and living a life with them in their mm-hmm. dream. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I just wonder if that's the power of the vector, the vortex um, in here could be a fiddler green thing. So it could be a fiddler green thing. You're right. Yeah. That was the theory. I kind of just came up with off the cuff when we were talking through this stuff. But what I originally thought like before we started recording was I thought that they said that what um, Rose's ability as the vortex was, is that she can pass between realms. Mm. So I thought that there was a chance that she, because she was so close to lot Lita that she helped Hector pass through the sunless lands of death back into the dreaming, which would have made them all connected. But I think it's the, the Fiddler's Green Dude, seems are, way more right. You are on one today. Well, now, I mean, I'll what say, I'm saying, say that your theories throwing, are good. I'm though. throwing that one in the trash. That was the one I had in my notes because I thought that when we were watching the episode. Mm-hmm. But I think the Fiddler. I talked myself I mean, into the other one. The Fiddler's Green. I'm with you. I think is the more reasonable one. But I definitely like that idea that if she's able to pass through realms, she could help people pull other people through different realms because that would make sense pretty fucking alive to me like he was very aware of everything that was going on like uh like this is like he was admitting that this is a dream and things like another thumbs up for that theory is the fact that i don't think fiddler's green could impregnate lida but then yeah you're right you're right but do you is the impregnation impreg impreg or maybe he could maybe (laughs) but is that is is the yeah is the baby thing gonna be a coincidence that unity also got pregnant when she was in the thing or is this i'm drawing that parallel until proven seems otherwise too coincidental it's correct to, to be honest with the unity thing i got that as when she was sleeping in the hospital somebody raped her while she was asleep and then oh got God. pregnant <laughs> like mean, that's I, I, mean, I know that's horrible I, but i horrible, thought it but... as because she said everything i experienced when i got married to the gold dude with golden eyes was fake Except for the baby. I found out that actually did manifest. Yeah, she does explain that okay. she, so everything in her dreams didn't come true besides the well, baby. Well, did she have a dream because she got pregnant in real life? I mean, it's not out of the question. I mean, because just, I mean, Jed woke up from a, a, a dream about rats, rats to having a him. rat on him. There's so. a lot of things yeah. that could be going on here. But I agree. I think there needs to be some connection to the dual pregnancies while they were dreaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was on the same train that she Lita literally got pregnant because she pulled in this baby from a dream that she was having. The vortex pulled it into Lita's dreaming, like into her. Lita was dreaming it, and then the vortex pulled it into real life because Lita was around the vortex. So many questions. So yeah. I know. So, but then I go into that, and I'm like, all right, if they do a DNA test on this baby, what is, what is it going to be? 
Is it going to be just half Lita? Rose. Or is it going to be like... Half Rose, half Lita. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> but um, no, there's, we, we, there's just so many unanswered questions that we just have no way of knowing yeah. for sure. It's fun theorizing, though, because like, I'm not yeah, going like to lie. A lot it. of this is starting to... You know, there's got to be answers to these things. They're not just going to leave these open-ended. We're going to get them. So anything else that happens before we have this plan, it's just Corinthian stuff, right? Because he... He's a, he gets pretty much the knowledge of where... He kills Ms. Rubio. He kills Ms. Rubio the from the agent person. But this a, that, that happens. That happens after he does the thing yes. where he goes to Unity. Yes, and he he's yes. sitting right next to yep. Unity. So, finds out she's in Florida. Goes to Florida. Finds out about these. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yes, exactly. Um, goes to Unity. Gets the name of Cape something. Cape Cape oh, Kennedy. Cape Kennedy goes to Cape Kennedy and is about to walk up to Rose. But this is when Rose is dishing out flyers. And then goes to talk to Matthew. She she's she, it literally hysterical. She goes up and talks to a crow, and he's like, "Nope, that's a crow. I'm a raven. Common mistake. It's yeah. okay." I thought that was great. But then while she's talking to Matthew, the Corinthian walks up, sees it, goes, "Oh shit!" and turns around, and which was I, awesome. I love that he got yeah. scared whenever he saw like you know dreams influence. Anyway, he's still scared of dream, which is just awesome. The king of how dreams, it should yeah. Be. All right, if we're ready now, we're going to finish out the last, I think it's 15 uh, minutes of the episode. Yeah, the only thing I think we didn't say is when the Corinthian was going to see Rose, she, he actually walked over to Hal, who was bashing out the flyers, grabs a flyer from Hal after flirting a little bit. And I was like, Corinthian, you dog. That's <laughs> some of the second dude you're about to bang this episode. <laughs> um, so from the flyer, I guess on the flyer, they say, like, if you have any information, call this number, blah, blah, blah. For some reason, though, I guess because he knew Jed was on foster care, he went to the foster care agent's office. And this is where, you know, he pulls out the flyer and goes, have you seen this boy? And then, you know, shit happens. But this was actually the biggest, uh, you know, dagger in my theory of Corinthian needs to be invited in. Because she did open the door and he kind of like grabs it as it's closing coming in. <laughs> but he does she doesn't really, you know, open it for him and invite him in. He already got into the building though. That's what I'm hoping, you know. <laughs> Off screen, yeah. They, okay. I said it, not you. The, so <laughs> the, the the foster building has a, a welcomer that opens the door for you when you come in. That's that's what I got. So all right, so let's go through the dreams, though, because now the whole plan is the next time that Rose goes to sleep, she's going to meet up with Dream and help find the little brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is just a first dream we get wild scene, wild chain of scenes of her jumping between all of the housemates. And I don't know if you guys want to bring anything up specifically, but the first one being how we get a nice little Vecna scene where you caught up. Oh, I'm caught yeah, up. Yeah, a little, you know what I'm oh. saying? A little Vecna. I do know what you're saying. That was just so I was not expecting that. I was just like, oh, we're in his dream, but it turns nightmare real quick. Well, I think they did a good job of trying to subtly show what these characters would be dreaming of. It seems mm-hmm. like with all the information we got from Hal, like he doesn't know really like who his mm-hmm. real self is. is. Yeah. Like he yeah. wants to be Broadway. He's down here like doing yeah. this thing. So I think that's what that was symbolizing. Yeah, he, w- he was saying the whole backstory, you know, Broadway called, I would fucking leave this house in a second mm-hmm. and go to Broadway. And then in his dream, you know, he was like, oh, like you're not good enough 
you know, sweetheart or whatever, saying like, I don't know if that was his internal monologue saying you'll never be good enough for Broadway. That's why you're mm-hmm. stuck doing these. But you know that not that was straight up nightmare shit. The way he pulled. Oh yeah, the face. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Another thing just clicked with me too is right when she goes after Hal, she goes directly to Lida's dream, right? Mm-hmm. And she sees no. them. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's Lida. It's Lida, and then the uh. The Zelda. She sees Lida banging Hector. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's the only reason she got pregnant. I think is because Ooh. she was there oh, when they were banging. Yep, 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 yep. That has to be it. You yes. need to drink more whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Your brain is sharp right now, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's totally right what it now. is. Good stuff. That is yeah. perfect. Love that we're connecting these dots. And then we got Zelda. Were? Yeah, we're. Um, <laughs> we were there. connecting the dots. We were here. <laughs> Each of the house guests notices Rose too, which I'm not sure if that's going to come into play. But they'll be like, "Why were you in my dream?" Yeah, they're going to be like, "I had a crazy night? dream, and you were in it." Zelda was that's like, what I, reading. That's, yeah. "No, I think that was the other sister, Chantel." Because oh, Z- yeah, Zelda's Zelda the, was the graveyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chantel's the next one we're seeing where she's actually talking about the fact that she has weird relationship with words. Right, like she was like, only my sister I really a, understands me. A sentence, because she's the one that doesn't. Everyone, talk. everyone knows about right. me in the sentence. Yeah, like, she's like, I have the pleasure of reading it into the Library of yeah, Congress. Congress. Yeah, so weird. Yeah. yeah, and there was a big Z on the book that she was reading from, so it was just all maybe over if the she place. has a speech problem, just the fact that she was at a podium speaking in front of a crowd is like, her, like dream. her dream. Like, yeah. I wish I didn't have that issue. And then we got a uh, Ken. Ken and Barbie. Who's no, no, Ken's. It's Ken's dream. Yeah, Ken's but Barbie's in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and this is just classic. Yeah, just like you don't have clothes in front. You you're in front of yep. the, your whole school. You're in your underwear. It's yeah. like that, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny because he's got a nice ass though. Barbie's was. The coolest dream I would have wanted oh, to be. Yeah. Barbie's got she was on like dreams. a quest from dream to dream or something. The talking walrus. A, yeah, at the this, end, and then she got is like that what the, that was. It was the coolest dream by far. That could have been a story. <laughs> she's in uh, the the skeleton, the bones of what looks like a giant animal, and she's like this the arch of the poor time. Yeah, and <laughs> spun from silver rose and and you know flower courts whatever the yeah. fuck she said it's like but was it worth it and the walrus says something super insightful like yeah, of course yeah. it was but not first, as special as the bonds made along the way why are we calling it the walrus his name is martin tenbones first sorry sorry put some respect on martin i'm so happy you had that written down because that was that call my that was literally my only note of these two episodes (laughs) was martin (laughs) nice i love i love how it's barbie too you know you expect barbies to be like you know the stereotypical dunce you know they don't know what's going on they're they're ditzy and she's having the deepest of deep dreams Mm -hmm. with the the fantasy like she'd be our friend yes with mtb would be our friends so I don't know if I just like was like overthinking it, but like that thing that she was that bubble of light that looked like Zelda's fucking, you know, the fairy that follows Zelda mm. Navi or that follows Link. That's so embarrassing. I said that. Yes. Navi. Oh, my God. You didn't People even catch it. Pissed. So it's embarrassing. You fucked we just you. lost <laughs> 10 subscribers thinking, because of you. Listen, listen, that. listen. It, it forms into something that looked exactly like Dreams Ruby. I, it was probably just a coincidence, like a cool fantasy dream she was having, but it definitely turned into like a rock like ruby so i don't know I probably not pulled up but... the scene and you're absolutely right it yeah does i don't know is that anything i think it so could be 
I'm going to draw the parallel to the fact that Jed's superpowers were the same as Dream Sand's superpowers. Ooh, so yeah. I feel like people that are dreaming in the dreaming just use things that are familiar to Dream. I, w- I do want to go off that and say we'll get to that scene earlier, but Dream right. says to Jed, oh, is that what she's she's told you? You're the Sandman. So I feel like everything yeah. that Jed dreams of it's actually Galt like creating that dream. True that. She wants him to have a good dream. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just caught my eye there. But but Dream actually says this is the first time we're getting real dialogue that kind of matters here. And Dream says that um, something about a vortex is that you were capable of dreaming up worlds or even destroying them. And then that leads to the quick Zelda dream where she's at the graveyard. And then he explains like people dream of what's comfortable in their homes and stuff like that. So he's trying to channel her vortex abilities to conjure up where Jed is, where's Jed dreaming of home so we can help find him. And then that leads to Jed's dream. And this is like the whole confrontation with Galt. So this is, Mm -hmm. this is money. All of this is money. And, and yeah, Galt is behind the TV screams as the, uh, as the mother right now and saying, and she actually sees dream come up on one of the monitors and her reaction is great because she's like, fuck, like, yeah. this is the most powerful villain like we've ever faced together. The king of nightmares, she says yes. about him. And then it's true. And yep. dreams. You know, she just left that out. She omitted that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but- he usually omits the nightmares when yes. he's introducing himself. So yeah, true. <laughs> true. just to go off what you guys are saying, um, Jed is in the whole Sandman get up. He has a, like a toy ruby around his neck. Oh, does he? Oh, I missed I that. That, 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 that looks it. exactly like his. So that's awesome. It, it's basically like Galt, you know, gave him the sand, gave him the Ooh. ruby. Didn't have the helm, though. Yeah, but the mask. Jed is mm-hmm. the real Sandman. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that that confrontation like made me smile so hard when they're on that street and he just says, I'm the Sandman. He goes, oh, you're the Sandman. Yeah, I love, and he I just, love like, his smiles, reaction. It's just like a father looking at his kid. He's like, I'm proud of you. You <laughs> oh. just look up to me. <laughs> Is that what she told you? Yeah, like, oh, so okay. awesome, man. I, that was so heartfelt. You never see. That's the most dream smiled this whole series. Oh, yeah. But besides with maybe Hobbs. That's Hob. true. That's yeah. true. Which, fuck, why was he not in any of these? Bring him back next episode right now. We need him. But Jed does find, like, uh, Galt comes out with the, while they're interacting. And Jed, in the meantime, also recognizes that uh, Rose is his sister and is obviously thrilled to see her because this is the only hope that he has is in this dream world. And he can see someone that he knows, like, this is huge for him. So he's obviously reacting the way he should be. But then Dream kind of wipes the facade. And this is where we get the reveal of what Galt actually looks like with that astral so looking cool. body. How about how about Rose's reaction? Because Rose is like, Mom, oh, my God. And Dream's like, that is oh, not true, yeah. your mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he waves it away. And, you know, Jed is freaking out. Like, what'd you do to my mom? And Rose is like trying to calm him down mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, she's obviously also pressing him like where are you and he's like what do you mean and like i'm right here and yeah. she's like no, no no this is a dream which at first i was kind of like just tell her where you are but it would make sense that if you're in a dream yeah. it would take some time for you to kind of realize that you're in a dream and then it be was like, like okay. it was like partial lucidity he yeah. was like Bar- barnaby and, and clarence or Clar- clarice clarice not clarence Clarence is real nice man. Yeah. <laughs> Clarence, 
um barnaby and clarence are are gonna get me like clarence can't stop him i think that's what, I, what jed was saying so it makes sense that it's like almost partial lucidity i thought he was totally just gonna wake up at the moment where she says where are you really i thought he was just gonna wake up because that would well, kind of re- made him realize that he's in a dream and like wake he, up. He, yeah. he screams because of this he's like rose and, I was, and he screams in real life yeah and the dad is like up, oh, he made he made noise like I'm going to give him the belt. But I was yeah, a little bit. Fuck? I was a little bit relieved because I was like, all right, confirmed, no broken bones yet. So yes. I was like, okay, we didn't have to deal with that whole ordeal just yet. Also, I was mad at Dream for that because he just shut Dream? that shit down. He's like, all right, I got what I needed from you, Bob. Yeah. No, 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 I don't think that's it. I think what it's Dream's it? job to wake people up when they. It's kind of like waking. De- it's world. like death. Yes, when death, you got to wake up when you're supposed to wake up in the real world. Okay, I, I got like that. when he got the rat thing. Like, yeah, okay, you're right. You're right. That dream abruptly came to an end, and maybe um, it does tie into what I was saying with because he now realized that he was in a dream. Maybe Dream was like, yeah, okay, yeah, you actually yeah, have yeah. to real Which, wake up now. What was I complaining about? The fact that Dream wasn't pulling Lyda out of her extended dreams with the husband. But I guess mm. if she is in Fiddler Green's domain, the same way that Jed was in Gold's, mm. he not his, yeah, yes, yeah. wouldn't be on the radar. I, 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 that's, that's like <laughs> yeah. canon. That right? that's gonna <laughs> that's, come that's up. That's real. <laughs> like literally, I could see Dream talking to Rose and just being like, "Who's that?" He's like, "Oh, that's Lyda." And he's like, "I don't have any dreams from Lyda for like mm. for a long time." There you go. Boom. So after after Jeb wakes up, we already talked about I don't think any of you guys want to add anything to Lyda becoming pregnant and waking up just like Unity did. Um, That happens here. And then I think the last like five to ten minutes happen and we're back into the throne room and we have this confrontation with gold. But did anyone add anything about the pregnancy thing? Because we kind of hit it. No, I think we we nailed it on the head with all of our theories and everything. Okay. So we're good to go. So, yeah, last last couple scenes here is just Galt in the throne room. And we actually had a pretty lively debate upstairs about this. Um, I think it was before B. Tom's walked in. Or maybe you were already here. But either way, like we're just talking about this treatment that dream and Lucien's watching this all go down the treatment that dream gives to Galt, basically sentence her to a punishment of saying like, you're going to spend a few thousand years of darkness. Shikamaru style, right? Like shadow possession. Yeah. Like that was fucking, that was sweet. But, um, I don't know. I thought they did an amazing job with the amount of screen time Galt got at being fleshed out as just way weird. And we, we've been saying this like way more than just a simple, corinthian style nightmare like she has layers she has aspirations and dreams of her own and just i hope she comes back and i hope that dreams punishment doesn't turn her into a true villain because it totally could so i wasn't when i first watched this by myself i wasn't too crazy on this scene because of some of the things that dream were saying after we had watched the episode upstairs luke kind of luke and paul kind of talked me a little bit out of it but I just didn't like the word choice, I guess, is what I was complaining about, because he specifically says, like, um, we like people don't not just people. Things don't have the ability to change. Like you are what you are when you're created. Like we don't have the option whether or not we want to be created or not, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, dude, we saw you two episodes ago go through so much change. And you're going to sit here and kind of tell this nightmare that she can't change. I kind of. I thought it was a stretch for me. To be fair, the lesson he learned in episode six was as an endless, our purpose is our function. So he could throw that back at a nightmare and be like, you were designed to be a nightmare. Nightmare. And 
Dream has several times explained that the purpose of nightmares is to it's help to, it's humans to, overcome challenges in their real life. To show them their fears yes, so that they so can that, overcome them. Yes. Thank you. So nightmares do serve an important purpose to mm-hmm. the dreaming. So right. it's important that they do that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's being too rigid. I really hope that we see Galt again and that he kind of questions his judgment on the ruling and pulls her out of the punishment early that's what i hope before you go paul I'll just say i just with how we've been introduced to characters and how like with Rod- roderick burgess and all the like some other characters they're very like one shoddy just they kind of make their episode appearance and they're done like as much as i would love to see galt come back i don't think that i also could see it not happening because like we've seen in the past that a lot of these characters that we think are going to be big going forward kind of just have their their little bit of time on screen and then they disappear so shout out to galt i would love to see her come back definitely because i think she's an interesting take on the nightmares that we've been exposed to so go ahead paul to bring it back to wreck it ralph (laughs) at the end of wreck it ralph you know he did his job he did his job when he needed to you know he destroyed the building for the kids when they were playing the game but then on the outside you know the attitude was different so you know, Galt could have done. I get where you know Dream is coming from. Galt's got to do her job. She's got to be a nightmare. But on her off time, you know, you know, she can drink a few beers with Dream at the pub. You know, they they can be chill. She doesn't always have to be bad guy. Yeah. Galt was awesome, like front to back, like probably the most in depth nightmare. Like as much as Corinth, as much as we like Corinthian, he's just straight he's up way more villain. surface level so far mm-hmm. until we get more. Like Galt has potential to be a great character if she makes a reappearance, which who knows if she will. But that gives me high hopes for Fiddler's Green as a character too, because these seem like comp the major arcana seem like big players and I, I want them to have layers and be mainstays for the show. The other thing that's important here too is after uh Galt gets banished to the Shadow Realm. Lucienne makes a comment saying that she used to be something different, doesn't elaborate at all yep. on what she used to be, but she says, I used to be something different before you hired me to become your librarian. Kind of, I think for me, that was just again emphasizing that things can change within a person. So it, I but almost does it mean, that, does it play into what B Tom's theory is, or no, does it like not I, play into that about them, her being a previously being a fairy that changed into what she is now? Right. It, uh, she could be like an evil. She could have been like an evil fairy. I, I took it as she was trying to explain that she used to be a bad person, kind of like Matthew. And now she's in a position where she can be good and helpful and okay. that she changed over time. So she could have been like a bad, a bad fairy. The back fact in the day. that she said it means we're going to get Lucianne backstory. Yeah. Which I'm excited for. She's she, a good character. We were she asking for home. this when we met Cain and Abel. Like we want yeah, these backstories. Sure. Yeah. And she drilled home that we all changed. So I, I just really love that quote at this time for for dream too because dream also you could see it on his face after he banished her that there was a little bit of sympathy for galt in the same time because i'm sure he knew what he was doing wasn't entirely right she sorry she but i think lucien is just a good voice for dream to be around Mm -hmm. and just have someone give their input at times good advisor Mm -hmm. Good, because we we're in the last last scene. I was gonna say, are we ready to hit? Yeah, because the only other thing that happens is we kind of already referenced it slightly, where Corinthian shows up, murders the shit out of Barnaby and um, Clarice, which is good. So he doesn't he doesn't discriminate against good pe- or evil people. He'll he'll murder you. You know, he eats their eyes and shit, and then leaves with 
Jed on his way to, I'm guessing, the collector's serial killer convention to to, to pull Rose there. We we did skip that earlier. We did talk about Corinthian going to the foster agent's office, but then a little bit later, we do get a scene of him just chilling on the desk, looking up Jed's information, mm-hmm. and then we see him grabbing an eye and then going to chew on it. Yeah, he's snacking. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to again reiterate that I want the CGI of him eating these eyeballs with his eye mouths. I was I actually, love that scene. It was so good. His little mm, yeah. yeah, so <laughs> the blood dripping right yep. into the paper. Looked you good. you had said it, Luke, but I actually think that they're I hope maybe this was me just being hopeful, but I was hoping that Clary somehow made it out of there and the only person that got killed was Barney. No, nah, I think they said two bodies. And oh, they yeah. did mention the reason we the we, end, we right. get this perspective because Rose shows up and then also Matthew, which is the equivalent of, of course, dream. it was like five so minutes too this. late too. of course, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if she was there 10 yeah, minutes or that, though, you don't I know how right. yeah, you don't know how much time has passed. But either way, I think we did these two episodes justice. Rose is going to be a, I think she's going to be a mainstay for multiple seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I- I'm still kind of in the mindset where Corinthian is going to be the, the season finale death. I hope he's like a long-term bad guy. Cause he is just so good. I just think desire. We have Lucifer. We still have cr- uh, the creator, God, whatever. And then we have destiny. Like we have so many bigger players than the Corinthian that mm-hmm. it would be cool to see someone as little as a nightmare rise to the level of endless. But I, yeah. I, I feel like he, he could be a one to two season kind of, he's person. just so part of the dreaming. And this season has kind of shown us that it's focusing on dreams perspective on life and everything. And so the Corinthian would make sense to be cut off at the end of this season mm-hmm. to continue for bigger things. He's just, forward. he's so charismatic. And like the last scene of him just driving off in the Mustang and Jed being like, so how do you know my sister and the Corinthian just being like, I don't, but I'm looking forward to meeting her. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, that is so like it's the truth. It's almost like he can't lie. He's telling the truth, but yeah. like, it's just a, a vague version of the truth. So let's let's do this. Like, let's just go around the table. Next time we're podding on this, it's going to be we have watched the whole first season. So I want to know, like, what do you guys want in these next two episodes? And I, I did just kind of start us there with saying, like, I want I I. I don't know if I think or want, but I think the Corinthian is going to be like a, there's going to be a final dream versus Corinthian showdown in episode 10. Um, but throw some things out there that could be hopes or, you know. Um, I guess one for me would be Lucien slash fairy backstory, maybe just getting a little bit more in depth on to what role those like Abel, Kane, all those guys, what their actual role is. If they're fairies or if they're just yeah. like dreams, I would like to see the realm of despair and desire. I feel like that's a reasonable thing for the next two episodes well, outside of the gallery. gallery. I feel like there's a realm and that's like his castle. Sure. That's his throne room. So I would like to see his realm, what they got going on. Desire. Do you think there's like a bunch of sex dungeons everywhere with like bdsm and probably yeah there's yeah. probably a room for that i Absolutely. mean when she got hype she just started digging a fucking cut into her cheek oh for despair yeah yeah that's gross yeah i mean that's just nuts paul you only have one answer here but hetty that's i wanted to say it, but i was gonna save it for you but thanks bro uh, <laughs> i want to see hetty come back i want to see like how humans can become 
like Hetty, you know, and and magic. I want more humans dealing magic and and more behind that. Like, oh, can anybody do it? Do you have to be born into it? Is the lineage coming to play yeah. and all that fun stuff? So let me get in a that hob same, in that category. Well, too. in that same. That. Oh, well, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Hob better. Be, I want more of Hob in these yeah. next two episodes. He better be in one of these two episodes. I want Hob to start using magic. That would be fucking but in that same vein. Like, are you magic. saying are you under the impression that Burgess, a.k.a. Tywin, was only a like, was he only introduced to magic because of desire? Or do you think like he just picked it up because he was like a, he was in a cult like our. Like, are you saying like, I don't think desire. you want to know, you want to know more about how humans can get involved and integrated in the magic world. Yes. But do you think that Burgess, I know it's, it's pretty obvious at the beginning of episode seven or this one, either one, when, when desire says the plan was like Burgess was supposed to be a distraction. Did he instill, did, did desire instill all of the magic into Burgess or was that also, or was that kind of like a combination of the two? My initial thought is a combination like desire sought out a very strong lineage like magical users family and the burgesses were one of those strong magical users so he was like all right well, how can i manipulate this guy so he, he killed his desire. son yeah. oh okay i was gonna say he killed That's his crazy. son desire somehow killed roderick's son his first one and then killed the book owner's first son <laughs> and was able to get them to meet by getting rid That's of those totally two. that would be possible amazing. that desire purposely killed the son so burgess would have a more of a reason to get into magic and look into death and summoning endless and the butterfly effect of that resulting in ethel and creating john and like that would be insane if it was like all planned out like that yeah so desire and despair's thing they were talking about how dreams always thinks his realm is better were they trying to merge realms or was i mean they said that they have they share a realm no, I'm saying, were they trying to like take over Dream's realm? Did they say uh, that was their goal? Uh, no, I don't think so. Or they're, they're just trying. I think to... they're just emphasizing that to in their eyes, Dream is very selfish and just conceited and very about himself yeah. and is willing to like flaunt that to the others. I'm a simple man. I just want Joanna on the screen, and then I also Joanna Constantine, and then I also really hope we get at least one more scene with Lucifer, Brienne, mm. Tarth. Like I want to see her one. I more want time. one to go off that i want one more like big magical battle like we got kind of one in lucifer versus dream a little bit um but i want to see people like slinging spells or like mm -hmm. magic at each other and like a whole cgi yeah. scene of that so i'm hoping yeah. it's too early i don't want desire and um dream to even be on the screen together yet i want that to be a build-up it could be the season finale totally was gonna say the opposite i want a bunch of the endless to be on the same screen like, oh, that's I, what i oh, yeah, that's yeah, like, like around two like three. a round table of yeah, yeah they don't it just just a meeting of, of two more than two endless let's, at get a a time. let's get a family luncheon like you know oh man put <laughs> death back on the screen yeah. i would love to see an endless dinner like yeah. was referenced in sex dude a i want death back too now that i'm thinking about it like i would love to see de death hobbs joanna and lucifer i want to mm. see all four of those motherfuckers yeah, back that's definitely on my bucket yeah. wish list for the end of the season wish list done i think this is as good a time as any to wrap it up that is our episode seven and eight coverage of netflix's the sandman i do want to take this opportunity once more to shout out the official reddit community of the show our sandman if you like reddit 
go to them. They have great conversation about the show, of course. And as always, if you like what you heard, give Bingetown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on BingetownTV.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, YouTube, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Once again, we are Bingetown TV. And thanks for listening. Exit light. (laughs) You're listening to the Geekscape Network.